This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 606, a conversation with Chris Jerusso. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 606 as I uh, have a conversation with Chris Jerusso, who's a fantastic cartoonist and uh, penciler uh, who's done work for... Uh well, predominantly, I think a lot of people will know him from either working with on G-Man Comics or also Mini Marvels over at Marvel. He's done some amazing work over the years. Uh, so I was uh, very lucky to be able to sit down and have a chat with him about his career in comics, uh, the genesis of Mini Marvels, uh, how he started working on G-Man, his current project with Arden Franco. Um, so we, we covered a, a bunch of different topics. Uh, it was a very fun and enjoyable conversation. I think you'll really enjoy uh, listening to Chris talk about his artwork and his career. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like the on Facebook, read and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us tonight on uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Our next episode, or our next non-reviews episode, which will be I guess episode six hundred eight, will be our conversation with Paul Mounts, uh, schedule permitting. Um, so that is uh, going to be an exciting one to listen to in the future. But without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Chris. Chris, welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well. I'm excited to chat with you. I've been a fan of your work for a long time. Uh, I got to say, I've, I really enjoy uh, the uh, Tales from the Con, um, although I was rereading it yesterday and I was like, oh, there's one where you talk about uh, someone asking you so much about Mini Marvels and totally ignoring G-Man, and it made me laugh way more than it should have. Well, it, it was my goal for it to be a funny joke, so I'm glad he laughed. <laughs> Well, it also made me go, well, I have to talk about G-Man just as much as mini-Marvels, otherwise I'm just as bad as that guy. Well, you know, I, I'll just roll with whatever, you know. I, I understand how, how it goes. Okay. So let's let's rewind uh, to uh, when you're uh, just young little Chris. Um, when did comics first become part of your life? Um, I guess uh, as old as I was, like as, as old as I can remember, because... Um, we didn't have comic books necessarily in the house, but there was always the newspaper comic strips, mm-hmm. and that was always something that attracted me. And you know, and it was also the sort of thing that my brother was into. My older brother was reading the comic strips and trying to draw comic strips, and then I would just copy everything he did. So I soon became a comic strip fan as well, and aped, aped my brother's art style. <laughs> That's how I learned how to draw. What were your kind of go-to comic strips when you were younger? Garfield, I guess were probably the big two, and then when I got a little bit older, uh, Calvin and Hobbes came out, and it kind of just like that took over mm-hmm. the, the newspaper comic strip universe. Are there any comic strips that, as an adult, you wish you had had more of an appreciation for when you were younger, or, or have realized now that you really do enjoy them, but at the time just were not on the same level for a kid? Um, you know, I. I, I <laughs> I don't think so. Like, I never really had time to think about anything like that. I mean, I'm sure if you... I guess probably stuff like uh, Pogo. Yeah. You know, because I'd read over and over, like, people saying, like, Pogo was the greatest, and it was, you know... But I, I, I'm sure that was, like, way over my head because it was, it was political, and like, but it was definitely beautiful to look at, and I could probably appreciate it now better than I did then. 
So at what point, so when you're into comic strips, when when do actual full-length comic books become part of your younger life as opposed to just being c- these cartoons or the comic strips, sorry? Um, well, that, that's also because of my brother. He was um, a huge Mad Magazine fan. Mm. And he started to realize, like, oh, I can, he can track down back issues and he would, you know, we, we'd find him at flea markets and stuff and then he'd start, he'd comb through the, the yellow pages looking for used bookstores and everything we, we ended up you know my mom ended up carting us out everywhere we, we went to found a comic shop that was like a relatively new thing back in the in the 80s and once I walked into that place I was like wow I just I, I, I couldn't it was just sensory overload just like every comic like all over the place I was like I, I can't believe this and it was characters I was familiar with because of cartoons we had been watching the old Marvel cartoons from the 60s were being rerun on, on TV every day, and we had the Hanna-Barbera Super Friends cartoons, so I knew all the big Marvel and DC characters, and but I hadn't really like read comic books of them, and then that, that's when I started buying them. Hmm. Now, moving kind of forward, then how do you start kind of entering into this industry with your own style, doing your own kind of thing? Like G-Man is awesome, but like, how did where did G-Man even come from? Where was the genesis of that, and how did you figure out how you wanted to do it in your own style uh, as opposed to what other people might have been doing? Uh, well, well, G-Man was just really a self-indulgent <laughs> turn myself into a superhero kind of a of an idea, you know, because I, I remained a comic book nerd all through high school. And it, and it was well, you know, while I was graduating high school was when uh, Image Comics launched. Yep. And it was it was this big. Did you catch that? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying what? Like repeat yourself. <laughs> no, right. no. I just... So um. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Um, so Image Comics is coming out. Yeah. So that was like this big revolution, and they really, you know, kept on hammering home the point of like we're gonna these are we're gonna own our own comic. You know, creating these new characters and all this kind of thing so just you know I couldn't help like leaping to it like alright you know my, my friends called me G-Man at school at that point anyway it was like you know everybody has a nickname kind of a thing mm-hmm. and you know as you know my last name isn't the easiest to pronounce so I was just I was, I was G-Man and um, so I was like alright that's my superhero name and I was you know so it was sketch out designs and stuff um, but then um, I ended up interning at Marvel Comics while I was in college and I got a job at Marvel after that and that's that's when the the mini Marvels began now to how do, how do you get an internship at Marvel at that time was it relatively easy or did you feel like like this is I've, I've hit it I've, I've you know this is the luckiest thing I get to work at Marvel I get to be an intern like how was that experience and you know exactly kind of what time frame was this at that point um, this was uh Let's see, the summer of 1997 um, was like my last year of college, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, was, I was just as excited as everything you just said. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. Um, it seemed like impossible to, to attain, you know, like you had to, um, uh, I think you had to write a letter or fill out a form or something, you mail it in, and then they might call you for an interview, and then you had to go into the place, and you know, there wasn't email back then, or it was... You know, we had college email, but I don't think Marvel did business through email at that point. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that was 
my foot in the door, and that kind of just really opened things up for me. Now, what kind of things are you doing as an intern in 997? I mean, obviously, the, the company was still in a, a bit of upheaval at that point. That's why I'm so curious about what it was like to kind of go in there as, as a fan, and now you're working as an intern there what, in, during a time where there was a lot of kind of change happening. Uh, I guess at the time, uh, the Heroes Reborn books hadn't quite reverted back yet. That was going to happen at some point. So, like again, what was that kind of seeing that as someone who's grown up being a fan and suddenly you're working there? Well, <laughs> I learned right away that it wasn't cool to like the Heroes Reborn books. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, as a reader, I thought, like, oh, wow, this is cool. Jim Lee's doing Marvel books again, you know? Um, but internally, you know, they all, you know, and understandably so, I think there was this feeling of, like, being slighted, like, oh, like, we could do these books too. But um, my duties as an intern were basically just staying out of everybody's way and making photocopies and sending comps out and, and mail packages and that kind of a thing and so I just you know I, I stayed in my lane and just you know tried to listen and learn as much as I could did you get to kind of work alongside any of the, of the editors at the time and kind of get to see an eye into their process or were there any kind of interesting things you got to kind of glean and learn that you really kind of took to heart um yeah you know each intern was um I was an editorial intern, so I was assigned to a specific editorial office. So I worked with Kelly Corvese and Jason White, and they were the editorial team on like I guess I guess you would call them like the second tier X Men books. So it was like X Factor, um, like Maverick was a book at that time, mm-hmm. um, and some other stuff. They did the What If comic, yep. And uh, so I, I just got to see like the way. You know, the book got done on a monthly basis. You know, I, I didn't really participate so much, although that, that they did give me an opportunity to do a comic strip for my first time um, in the What If Letters co- columns. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically it. Is yeah, I, I just learned a lot just you know listening and doing what they asked me to do. So how did the Mini Marvels come about? Because, I mean, that was my first imp- uh, you know, introduction to you because I would have been, I'm trying to think the timeline, but in the late 90s, I probably would have been like 14, 15 years old. Um, I'm starting to pick up more and more Marvel comics, and suddenly these amazing little strips are showing up, and it was, it was really exciting to, cut to, see, to see a new one. How did that pro- entire process come about? How did you pitch it, or did they come to you? Like, how did this even happen? This, this was like, you know, like, Marvel characters, and that's that's why they ended up becoming kids. 
No, I mean, no. they're fantastic, and I mean, I, I don't want to bore you with talking about exactly which ones are the best, but I mean, are there any particular ones that you do recall as being, you know, some of your favorites to do, or a story idea that you kind of put together in one of those strips that you thought was the coolest? I mean, again, I, I think they're really great. I think they're such an interesting uh, reflection of the time in which they were done, like the ones where you have Hawkeye, uh, you know, switch costumes to his uh, Avengers Assemble armor. Like, it's very, if you were reading it at the time, you got the reference it might seem kind of dated now but i love that stuff because it feels so centered in well for me what my like late teenage years were was reading comics and then this was a great send up of a lot of those ideas um well thank you uh yeah i i i'm sure you won't be surprised if i say i really liked hawkeye a lot <laughs> and for, for whatever reason i felt like that, that was just an easy way to to be silly and, and funny was to, to use Hawkeye because he's got that inferiority complex or at least I projected this inferiority complex on him because uh, I'm pretty much the same way <laughs> so and it, I just I just I, I guess yeah all the Hawkeye stuff would be my favorites now when I, I, li- I liked uh, I liked <laughs> I liked him always talking about how like you know telling everyone yeah I, I beat I beat Iron Man, you know, even though he's got that armor. I, could, I still beat him the first time I met him. Finding <laughs> people of that all the time. Absolutely. Well, and I think there was one also where uh, I guess you did a send-up of, um, uh, I guess Hawkeye at the time was with uh, Moonstone or Meteorite at the time, and you kind of used one of those covers but in your style, and it's just so funny yeah. to see. And again, people reading it now may not get the specific reference you make here, but again, if you're reading it at the time, it was so funny. Well, I, I would I would hope that there's still enough of a, a, a joke in it that even though there's a reference thrown in, it's not required to understand it in order to be entertained by the joke. I hope I hope that's what I did. <laughs> what, now, when the bullpen bits, I guess, stopped, um, eventually you, you ended up doing the giant size kind of one shot. What was the process of being able to do a longer form story in your style using the characters that you become familiar with, but now getting to tell an actual full story? You mean creatively, or how did we end up getting them to approve that project? You know, honestly, both. I'm both. Both are answers I'm interested in. Um. <laughs> well, okay. So the the project approval was, was just a matter of. Um, let's see. Well, when the mini Marvels ended up getting canceled. The the the, com- the bullpen bits comic strip got canceled because there were certain people. And management that didn't like it, and we're kind of like lobbying. You know, they're they were kind of pushing like it. You know, we got to stop doing this, stop doing this, and then finally it was canceled. But then when when that guy left and a new person came in, I was I, w- I had been under the impression that that guy liked me. The new one liked me, so I, I pitched like the the one shot, and and since I was right, like they, they did like me. You know, it ended up getting it wound up getting approved, and. So it was a collection of all the strips up until that point and like a brand new long form story, mm-hmm. um, which and so that was like a new thing for me to do a longer story, you know, not just the three panel joke, but longer form. And that it was, you know, it, it took a while to figure out like how to do it. And um, but I liked having more room to, to, to set things up and, and play things out. It was, it, was, it, was, it was good to have room to breathe. For sure, um, it, it, it was definitely a learning experience, but it was also a lot of fun. 
I'm just a, out of curiosity, I'm, um, when you draw Wolverine, do you prefer him with the mask or without the mask? Because it's very interesting seeing your drawings of both. So I'm just curious which one you prefer drawing. Um, I, I, I like. I've always liked both, so I, I, I can't say I, I prefer one over the other. And so that's probably why I do both. You know, I like the because he looks he's kind of like even without the mask it's still kind of like a costume look because it's just this really unique like appearance that nobody in real life actually has it just looks cool <laughs> um and, and i've always loved your your interpretation of how venom looked um which was very unique um what kind of inspired you to make him look that way with the, with the teeth I, I just thought it would be funny like again it was just like well if we run this through the little kid gimmick you know what what would it be like and and he always had you know all the giant you know oversized teeth and all that coming out and I thought well little kid losing his teeth and it'll just have that one like underbite <laughs> tooth sticking out no I just thought it would be funny when you when you got to do the long form Wolverine story with the the serial quest, it felt very different from the Spider Man story because the Spider Man story felt like more like a traditional Spider Man story, like obviously with your sensibilities, uh, you know, kind of thrown in. But the serial quest felt very much like this is this is what this world is like. This is you know Wolverine trying to get more serial. Um, how did you find inspiration to write that story? Um, and it's it's very funny, but like what kind of led to the inspiration? Because you tell kind of mini bits throughout the story um as he's trying to get the cereal but how did you kind of put it all together oh man it's such a long time ago i mean i, I probably i probably you know i just they say write what you know <laughs> and i grew up i grew up eating cereal and that's pretty much about the sum total of all my knowledge of life was like i understand cereal pretty well <laughs> so, i mean that, that had to have been the inspiration and I, and I just like i like the idea of just like you know you it's basically a quest thing, you know, all the, uh, just everything going wrong along the way. It could, you know, it could have been anything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, it's just it's it's not it's not the Infinity Gauntlet or anything. It's just a box of cereal, but it's still an adventure anyway. For sure. Well, and it's interesting that both the Spider-Man long-form story and the Wolverine long-form story both end with you know the heroes kind of being down and out at the end and kind of getting kicked one more time. might be like the charlie brown influence uh just you know and it's just kind of like yeah you think everything's great no it isn't <laughs> now when um when did you start illustrating the stories with mark sumerak doing the actual writing like how did that kind of change the process um the, let's see i think this, this so I, I had been off many marvels for a couple of years i think and then uh, um, Nate Cosby, one of the editors at Marvel, contacted me about doing more mini Marvel work, and, and I was totally up for it. And so it, it wasn't the same as um, what I'd done previously with just the short strips. It was a lot more like you know full pages or four page increment types of things. And so just the opportunities came. You know, they weren't. It wasn't always like, yeah, we want you to do this. Sometimes it was, you know, Mark. You know, Mark has. You know, we want you to work with Mark for this. And I said, okay, fine. And I think I did a I did a story with Sean McKeever about Spidey and his amazing friends, and I think Paul Tobin also did some of the Power Pack stuff, and Audrey Loeb was doing the the Hulk strip. Um, so in all, in all those instances, it was just presented to me like, would you be up for working with with uh, this creator? And you know, yeah, sure. Now I think you mentioned this in Tales from the Con, but how often do you get asked about the haiku line from the World War Hulk story? 
when that came out, like, you know, it, it, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm complaining because I'm not. Um, it's, it's nice. It's nice to be remembered for, for, for a joke. So, yeah, um, pe- people were, would just t- tell me like that how it, it's nice to know that, like, at least one thing I did worked perfectly because they're all like yeah i was reading it and then i started counting and then before i got to the next panel and then when i saw the whole you know everybody counting in the next panel <laughs> it's it like yeah that might that might have been like the best success i've had as far as uh you know like how do you even come up with that on like even like when you're when you're writing it because that that's truly inspired i thought and i obviously if it's if it's hit that well for that many people i would imagine obviously it worked and it was very effective but there's just something about it like how do you even decide that that, that's what the characters say and again i can can get i can trace exactly how i got there okay um, because (laughs) as i was i started that hulk that hulk bit it was like the world war hulk stuff and i think i'd done the first installment of it and the hulk is talking like dumb hulk and then they're like okay we're gonna do part two now or part i don't know if it was part two or three might have been the third part and it's like i was reading over all the world war hulk stuff and i'm like well he's not really talking dumb anymore he's he's completely articulate like bruce banner at this point so i wanted to just like address that somehow in the strip like why is he talking different (laughs) so i just came up with that you know the opposite of the whole the strong the, the matter he gets the stronger he gets I just explained it like, well, the matter he gets now, the more eloquent he becomes. And then once I was on that track, I thought, like, well, what what would be even more? What's the next step after being able to talk intelligently? And then it's like poetry. Um, so that, that's just what led me there. It's well, yeah, it works. And again, your art is so, so well done, because the, first of all, when you have Korg kind of pointing at, you know, at basically at the heroes but really it's at, like it's pointing at us just being like you know that was a haiku chumps and then yeah having that it's so inspired of having everyone counting their, on their fingers it just really nails the joke <laughs> thank you um, but yeah I would imagine yeah that a lot of people have asked you that over the years <laughs> yeah it's nice to hear so so that's Mini Marvels. I mean, Mini Marvels is fantastic. People should definitely, you know, it's been collected a few different times. People should read Mini Marvels. It's so much fun to read. It's great for everyone. Um, I know you've probably heard this a lot too, but obviously your stuff it works really well with all ages. So my son has the uh, the smaller trade paperbacks in his room, and I have the Ultimate Collection. That's just for me. Uh, he, I don't want him to mess up mine, but um, people should definitely check it out because it's really well worth reading. But yeah, so is... It's still in print as the complete collection, so go go check it out on Amazon if you don't have it in your local comic shop. Absolutely. Well, and uh, let's talk a, a little bit more about G-Man. So G-Man was, you know, the, your nickname, and then it becomes its own strip, um, and it's been around now. Right now, it's the G-Man webcomic. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's how he's currently surviving. <laughs> Now, when did you, well, I mean, there's a lot of questions I have about G-Man, obviously, because people can pick up the three trade paperbacks and the other, uh, I guess, hardcover of G-Man stories. And then at some point, at what point did you decide that you were going to do web comics for G-Man in a slightly different format? Uh, well, the the last published book I did was the G-Man Super Journal. That's the hardcover, mm-hmm. and that was approached from the, like the, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid style format and so the, the conceit there is that G-Man is the one that's writing and drawing the stories that you're reading in the G-Man Super Journal 
so the the web comic was kind of an offshoot of that. It was I, I thought like, well, that might be a way to promote the book. Like, here's a comic that G Man is ostensibly writing and drawing himself as a as a means of promoting. Like, here's a whole book that he wrote and drew himself. Mm-hmm. And then I just never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I hope you don't because they're so funny. And like again, it's that you have. That great sensibility, and you can see that I guess that the, the kind of the peanuts inspiration. But um, the artwork is delightful, and the stories have never not been funny. Like I'm just, I was rereading a, a whole bun- bunch of them today, and yeah, they're they're always very funny. And like, how do you, like, it's so interesting because like I'm not a super funny person. How do you come up with having using your format, using usually just like three panels to tell a very solid joke? Um, artistically, like it's, it just operates on a different level that I don't under understand how you could even do that. Well, you have to you have to think about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I mostly I just it's just whatever's on my mind, whatever's dominant dominating you know my thoughts. I, I figure, well, I guess that's what the strip's going to have to be about because that's the only thing I'm thinking of, and you know whether it's like something that's irritating or stressful. I just got to figure out some like what, what is it about this that, that upsets me or what what can what's funny about it. So, I mean, there's a there's a whole run where G-Man is, is starts working on a comic book about a shape shifting alien with uh, yeah. a couple of his buddies. <laughs> um, and it's like a direct parallel to the comic book I'm writing right or I'm drawing with uh, Art and Franco Encounter at, yeah. at Lion Forge. So, like, which is about a shape shifting alien from a you know becomes a superhero so i was like all right well this is this is pretty, this is taking up all of my time and energy and my thoughts so this has to be what the g-man strip is going to be about for a little while <laughs> <laughs> and and though no, like what has the re- do you get a lot of reaction on the on the web comics and what people think of them or um no <laughs> really <laughs> i get like maybe a couple of comments on facebook but that, that's about it so I, I i mostly feel like it's you know it's just going out. I mostly feel like I'm just shouting into the wilderness. <laughs> well, I mean, at least I'm in the wilderness and I am hearing it. Um, <laughs> All right, that's good to know. <laughs> like, yeah, like uh, it's yeah, it has been. It, I have found it incredibly funny. Um, like, there's the one where uh, I think uh, they were putting up shirts for sale. Is like we, you know, we don't have any shirts yet. And just the next panel is he's they've sold his shirt. Like his shirt is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's very funny stuff, and again, easy easy to read, but very fun and, and always enjoyable when they come up. So let's talk about Encounter. So how did you get hooked up with Arden Franco to work on this project? Basically, the, the short version is uh, Arden Franco found out that I didn't have any work happening. Um, I, I, I had nothing going on. I didn't have any jobs. So they were like, well, that's we should make something for him to draw because we like the way he draws. And that is basically the genesis of the whole project. And we just started working on it. And then we, um, uh, Lion Forge found out that, that I had this thing I was drawing. And they said, oh, well, send it to us and maybe we'll make you an offer. And they did. And here we are. That's pretty awesome. Now, did you, do you, are you already friends with Arden Franco or? Yeah, I, I met them back, like, uh, in the, the Mini Marbles Tiny Titans days. Okay. When Tiny Titans had just become a new thing. thing. And the artwork is coming out, and I'm 
enraged by it. Oh. These guys, <laughs> these guys are copying you. Do you believe this? This is, this is, this is a travesty. And, like, that just wasn't my attitude. Like, I, I kind of had been, I grew up playing sports. So I knew that, like, the guy that you were competing with was probably someone you're going to be friends with. You know, that's not the, that's not a person you should hate necessarily, especially if they're like pretty much exactly like you. I'm probably going to get along with them really well. So when I met them, <laughs> when I met them at a convention, and like I was just like, "Hey guys, I'm I'm the mini Marvels guy," and like everybody keeps telling me I should hate you, but I don't. And, <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, oh, "Okay," and they were like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, man, you know, awesome." And we just you know fast friends. They've been awesome to me ever since. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I guess that that is a um, very interesting part of culture that people think that everyone has to, you know, be outraged at each other or, or hate people who are, you know, that someone thinks are similar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not the first, like, I'm not the first person to come along and do, like, a kid version of something. Because, you know, when I was a kid, there was there was Muppet Babies and there was, like, there was everything. There was, like, Scooby-Doo Kids and Flintstone, young Flintstones and stuff. So that idea had been around before, and um, you know, they even had X babies when I was a kid was already a thing. So oh yeah, that's true. I didn't really feel like I didn't feel like anybody was like taking my idea. They were taking a, an idea, and, and that's another thing. I thought like, it could only help me, like, and, and I was right. Like once DC started doing that, Marvel started giving me more work, so it kind of it worked out for the best. That's good to know. Now, where? How did uh, tales from the con, tales from the con come from, or where did it come from? How did you get kind of put it, uh, working with uh, Brad? And because it's such a it's such a fun, it's, I guess at times somewhat scathing indictment of what you know the industry can be like from a certain angle, but still done with a kind of a fun sensibility, which is I guess primarily coming from the art because your artwork is not mean spirited. So even if sometimes the the writing might be a little bit more cutting, it's done in such a delightful way. <laughs> Well, thanks, but I mean, I, I have to, I have to say, Brad uh, is is a great writer, and he's a great cartoonist himself. Um, so yeah, it was it was you know he knows exact like he draws himself, he draws too, so he knows how to write a comic, and we worked really well together. I loved working with him. Uh, it started with uh, Jim Demonacos, the founder of Emerald City Comic Con. Okay. Uh, he just thought it would be a good idea to, as a means of promoting his convention and their website if, if he put up exclusive content on the website on a weekly basis so he came to both Brad and I and said here's my idea are you in and we both said yes and that's how it started well and I mean just in general I mean we've done a lot of your work writing and drawing so do you find it, it, it harder to adapt in someone else's script or do you find it really easy to, to kind of take someone else's script and make it work or because it is a very different skill when you're coming from totally full cloth from your own brain as opposed to coming from Arden Franco or from Brad or from anyone else you've worked with yeah it, it is a little bit different you know but it's just it's it's changing gears and, and it's 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 not impossible it's not it's not a huge adjustment to make, you know, it's still like, okay, here's the idea. It's not, it wasn't my idea to begin with this time, but it's still, I know how to follow up and finish it. So it's, it's, it's a lot of times it's like, it's great because I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of this idea in a million years. It's really fun to be a part of this, you know? Now, is there any particular, um, from the Tales from the Con, was there anything that Brad wrote that you in particular were like, oh man, I, I, I wish I'd come up with this? <laughs> 
Um, it's been it's been a while since I've looked at that stuff. Let me let me flip through here. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got it right here on my shelf, so I'm flipping through. Um, let me see. I guess all of them. You know, like it's hard. I don't know what stands out. That's fair. It's like picking your favorite children. Yeah, it is. It is. For sure. Now, I, like, I don't think I've ever drawn so many like uh, girls in bikinis as uh, you know ever before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I guess that's true. <laughs> I never did any booth babe jo- jokes before. Did I say that right, booth babe? I think you did. <laughs> now, Which is probably not even appropriate at this point to even say. No, with, um, within. Uh, sorry, uh, go ahead. That's it. Go ahead. I was just going to ask uh, with encounter. Um, uh, like, is how how many issues are we going to get? Are, like, it's not done. We are going to get more, right? Yeah, we're gonna. The it's going to be ten issues and then finished. Okay. At ten, and I think the I think issue five is the most recent one in stores right now. Yeah. What? Um, I mean, so working on something like this, like how far in advance, or were you kind of getting the script from Martin Franco, and and as collaborators, like were you did they bring you at all into the kind of the scripting and plotting process, or did you, they come to you with kind of full script? Um, it, it, it's 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 pretty collaborative, and it's also really kind of fast and loose. Um, it's been a learning experience, like the way that the way those guys work. Basically, uh, Franco just gives me. Franco gives me a script that's that's thumbnailed out like the, his it's like a completely thumbnailed scripted PDF that he sends me like all the pages are there and everything but it's you know like I said it's like really loose and then after I look at it I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him about it and I'll, you know I'll have some questions like like you know what's going on here or you know you're saying this but we kind of you know it, it, if this is happening, how does this relate to this other thing that we did? You know, I, I, I have a tendency to overthink things and I think Franco tends to like, just like barrel ahead at breakneck pace and he doesn't think twice. So I'll catch a lot of things that to me, it's like, it's, this doesn't add up. It doesn't work. And then he'll just be like, Oh, let's go, let's go fix it. You know, I was like, all right, well, can we do this? He's like, yeah, just you know, change whatever you want. Go ahead. So, you know, he's not like super precious about anything. And so, he, you know, he gives me the freedom to like change what I, what I think would work, you know, according to my sensibilities. So it's like really like he hands it off to me and then I make some adjustments and and move forward. So like the guts of it and the structure is basically what Franco did. And then I'll tweak things as I go or, or, you know, if we get any notes from Lion Forge, then I'll just, I'll address them. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily have to check in with Franco, but if I do, he'll just, you know, he's always like, yeah, yeah, that works. Just do it that way, yeah. <laughs> How has Lion Forge been to work with you for you guys? Um, it's been pretty, pretty good. Like you know, the notes that we've gotten, like I don't, I don't think I could complain about any of the notes that we've had, and, and there really hasn't been many. And it's just been, you know, pretty smooth sailing. What do you anticipate kind of doing after uh, after the series is wrapped, or do you have kind of an idea of what you want to move on to next? projects that you know might happen or might not so that's it's not something i can really say is a definite thing yet but i have also been working on um a 
project called Hashtag Danger that I've been drawing, and this is going to be part of Ahoy Comics. I don't know if you've heard of Ahoy Comics yet. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm working with Tom Pyre. He's the writer of High Heaven uh, and um, The Wrong Earth. Mm-hmm. Two, these are two books at, at Ahoy Comics. And High Heaven is going to have uh, Hashtag Danger running as a backup feature. And that's like a five-page installment in each issue of High Heaven that Tom is writing and that I'm drawing. So I still have that happening. Nice. Now, is it going to be kind of your classic style, or is it going to be somewhat... Like, I'm always curious, Like, do you ever try to adapt or change things, or are you pretty comfortable with the kind of your, your, your base style and that's what you're going to use? Or Yeah, like, I, I can't really draw any other way. Like, <laughs> it, just comes out, it just comes out the way it does. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm... I'm Obviously, I, I want to improve. I want to be better than I am. But um, you're never going to look at my stuff and think like, "Wow, I had no idea you drew this way." It's going to look exactly like I drew it. That being said, the the characters in Hashtag Danger are all adults, and for people who haven't read G-Man, um, they're they're kind of surprised that I'm I draw somebody that's not a kid. <laughs> well, I guess we're used to it, right? Yeah. You know, like many Marvels, but even many Marvels, uh, Spider-Man fights an adult Green Goblin. That's true. Um, Actually, I guess but, Green Goblin and J. Jonah Jameson were definitely like big adults. Right. But Xavier right. was still kidified. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, a question about mini Marvels, or just Marvel in general, were there any Marvel characters that you never kind of got to draw in mini Marvels that you would have liked to have had a chance to draw? if you pointed out like hey you never drew this guy in a mini marvel then i would feel like okay i want to do that now yeah i I, I would like to but uh, i don't know if i'm gonna get that chance again which um maybe which marvel character did you find the most challenging to do as a mini marvel um i think when the, the first time i tried to draw the hulk i hadn't figured out the right way to draw him and i thought like well if he's a big kid he'd be taller than all the rest of them and i and i drew him i drew like this like really like like tall lanky kid i was like that doesn't work at all (laughs) but i yeah i figured it out for sure well and actually you brought up the point as well when you did do that spider-man long form story and he goes up against the green goblin why did you decide to make norman osborne an actual like physical adult compared to the rest Legacy already had a father-son component to it, mm-hmm. so really, I, I I was drawing. I could draw both, you know. I, I drew Harry as the kid Green Goblin, and then, and it's also I think it, it kind of um, raises the stakes a little bit when your hero is a kid and he's fighting a full-grown, super strong adult. I think it's a little bit scarier, more intense. Now, this question you don't have to answer, and I apologize in advance, but were you ever kind of given a reason why many Marvels went away? Uh, why they didn't want to do them anymore? Because, I mean, I would imagine that they were still selling or people still liked them, so I'm just always surprised that we didn't get more. Um, I think they just uh, they got tired of me. They're, huh. you know, the, the, not everybody at Marvel liked my work. And uh, just I just kind of basically I guess the timer ran out on on 
how much they'd be willing to let me do. Hmm. Mom, as as a fan, I'm sorry to hear that because I mean, obviously, I like your style. I like your work anyway, regardless of it being on Marvel or not. But um, it, seeing those Marvel versions of the characters was always a, was always a treat whenever we got to see more of them. So I am sorry that we didn't get to see more, but glad that at least they've kept it in print and it's easy for people to find because again, they're so charming, so fun, and um, you know, really shouldn't be missed. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining us today, and I really appreciate it. I, I said, as as a fan for like almost twenty years, uh, God, I can't have been that long, but it feels like it's coming up on that. Whenever Mini Marvel started, but um, you know, thank you yes, so much. It is, it is twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> My God, does it feel like it's been twenty years since you started doing those? Uh, it it doesn't, but then it gets you know it's disappointing to find out like oh where did all the time go. <laughs> Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a real thrill to be able to chat with you about this. And uh, everyone should definitely uh, check out uh, the, the current book um, with uh, Art and Franco because it's a lot of fun as well. It's called Encounter. And I guess the first digital collection is out on October the 2nd. So people should check that out. All right. And also check out uh, G-Man, please. Absolutely. If, if you liked many Marvels, you ought to like G-Man also yeah it's, and, it's uh, so much fun man. it's 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 just yeah it's it's great people should definitely pick it up if many marvels you know kind of uh, floated their boat then they they're missing out by not checking out g-man thank you and uh check out comicsahoy.com absolutely and i guess also your website chrisjeruso.com absolutely excellent well thank you again so much and uh everyone should ch- check out your work because uh, they will not be disappointed it's fantastic